You are listening to Hands at Work Audio. For May 10, 2019, Busi Sidiata Jones speaks from the hub in South Africa about discipleship and how discipleship is key in building the kingdom of God. So this morning, I'm going to speak about discipleship, which, um, because it may mean different things to different people, I thought it would be good to look at what the dictionary says is a disciple, so that at least we start from a place of understanding where I'm coming from. So um, it says, in Christianity, disciple primarily refers to a dedicated follower of Christ. In the ancient world, a disciple is a follower of a teacher. It is not the same as being a student. A disciple in the ancient biblical world actively imitated both the life and the teaching of the master. It was deliberate apprenticeship which made the fully formed disciple a living copy of the master. I like that part of (laughs) being a living copy of the master because it just reminds me of how we speak here a lot about falling on each other or domino effect. And we would often, especially in our team, when we have meetings, we would kind of watch how we are talking. And we've been having a saying where if we haven't planned well and we are called to a meeting, um, we would say, who called this meeting? (laughs) Because we don't know how to start the meeting. And it's been interesting to attend other meetings with other teams and you hear someone saying, who called this meeting? (laughs) And you think, wow, that's what would That's what Dan would say when he hadn't planned. So obviously, he's falling on people. I don't know whether that's a good way or a bad way. Uh, But being a living copy of of the master, people that we are learning from, one of the things that this reminded me of is, you know, we, we just live our lives with people watching us. We don't even realize how much our lives are impacting them or how much they are learning. And I remember one time being in Swaziland with Fusi and attending a meeting with the pastors. Again, one of the things I would do when I'm on the ground with one of the leaders here, whether be it Dan or George or Tyler, if we haven't organized ourselves, when we get there, I would be the first person to, you know, own it and say, okay, thank you for coming. Let's pray and pretend as if I know it. And then quickly say, okay, I'm going to hand over to Dan. And then I know that then he has to be the owner of this. And then I was in Switzerland with Fusi, not having realized how much he watched us as we walked with him. And in this meeting, we didn't talk about it as we were going. And we got there, he owned it. He prayed, he welcomed people, and just like, we are going to hand over to Sis Fusi. I'm like, <laughs> of course, I had to own it. I was a bit not happy, but I couldn't confront him because I felt confronted. I'm like, he saw me doing this. And obviously, 
he thinks it's the right way. Is it the right way? No, no, but I'm doing it. So talk about being the living copy of whoever you call your master or you are learning from. Uh, so in our context, what would discipleship look like or how would we define it here as hands? So if I have said yes to Christ, that means I am the follower of Christ. That means I am the disciple of Christ. And I would assume that we are here because at one point we said yes to Jesus Christ, to his invitation. Is there a qualification to be a disciple of Jesus Christ? No. We, I just say yes to his invitation. Everybody who says yes to Jesus Christ can be his disciple. The Bible shows us in many places where he invited ordinary people. You speak about ordinary people, you can look around and would notice who is as ordinary as ordinary can be. <laughs> you find them in this place. Um, in John 1, verse 43, it says, the next day, Jesus determined to go to Galilee. When he got there, he found Philip and said, come, follow me. He found Philip. Philip didn't do anything. Jesus found him and he said, come, follow me. In Luke 9, verse 59, he said to another average person, come, follow me. This is my <laughs> living translation Bible. I like how it says another average person because sometimes it's good to put yourself there in case you think too highly of yourself. Did this average person do anything? I don't know. I don't think so. But Philip and this other person as well as all the disciples, the 12 we know about and maybe many more they didn't submit their CVs to Jesus. They didn't prepare for interviews. They didn't organize the right answers to Jesus' questions to prove why they were the right candidates to be chosen for the job to be a disciple. They did absolutely nothing. Jesus found them and he invited them. Here, we often speak about finding diamonds in the dust. And I wonder if Jesus looked at those disciples in the chaos of his world and he saw diamonds that nobody else saw. They were ordinary people. They didn't have much education, most of them. They were ordinary fishermen, but in them, he found diamonds and he was prepared to make them what they were intended to be in the kingdom. We are just like these disciples. Jesus found us, invited us, and he is asking us to follow him. Follow, following him means obeying him. Reading the scriptures and saying, what does it mean to me? Learning from him, he says, 
learn from me. I am meek and humble. Allowing him to transform me into his likeness. Jesus walks with us and he, he rubs himself in us. There are things we are precious about, but he knows they are not good for us. When we allow him, he transforms us and he makes us to be more like him, which makes it possible for us to invite other people to walk with us as we walk with Christ. In Luke 14, verse 33, Jesus says, so you cannot become my disciple without giving up everything you own. So discipleship or being a disciple of Jesus costs. It's not something that you just, you know, have a beautiful ride. It's costly. Maybe I'm saying, yes, I am here. I left my family. I left my country. I left my comfort. But is that all? Is that all it costs me? Is that all it costs you? I think being a disciple is a daily surrender to the master to say, here am I, have your way, lead me, transform me, do whatever. It's easy to say, but to live it out, it's a daily struggle for many of us. When we come to him, he surrounds us with people that we can learn from them. People who can speak into our lives. But it's a choice I have to make. I have to be willing to let people into my life. They can show us what it means to be Christ-like as we walk with them, as we realize that they do things differently. They make different choices. They can bring us closer and help us to understand this is what Christ did in me. He can do it in you. They can show us what it means to give up my culture for the kingdom culture what it means to be the least. And we talk a lot about serving the least and to be the least. And there are people that we see that in their lives, but we have a choice to allow them to teach us, to challenge us, to show us. And that means I have to make a choice to let someone in those places that I want to keep hidden, in those places that I can just put the walls and people think, oh, she's doing well, all is well, she's got it all. But when you let someone disciple you or walk with you, then all of a sudden, slowly, those areas are exposed. But they are not for you to be embarrassed, they are for you to be transformed and to let Christ, who is able to make you more like him. I remember when I came to Hands, I was fresh from the Bible college over there. 
and some of you who know Bible school students, which <laughs> I think Herman and Sharissa would know because we were students together there. You know, when you graduate, you think you are going to conquer the world, you are going to save everybody, and you know it all. And then you come here, you get surrounded by these people, and <laughs> you realize that, no, I'm not there. I've got the theology, I read the scriptures, but there's much that needs to happen in my life. For me, it was out of having someone with me, choosing to walk with me here, that I discovered I didn't know as much as I thought I did. I discovered that many of the things I did that made sense to me they were not necessarily the biblical way of doing things. I had other influences. And some of the people that chose to walk with me, I wanted to hate them. One of those people was Robin. Some of you know Robin. She's a tough one. And for some reason, she chose to walk with me. I didn't like her much but she was that person. The other one who offered himself without me asking or choosing was Caroline. You guys know Caroline, it's black and white. There's no beating around the bush. She tells you as it is, and she became that person. And I wanted to kick and scream. I didn't think I liked them much, but they were there. And they challenged me. They asked the tough questions. They, but in that, I realized how committed they were to work with me. And the more I talked about, you know, my staff and how the way of doing things, the more I realized that it was not the kingdom way. It was my way. It was my culture's way. I'm from the Eastern Cape. I'm very much closer. Simon knows what it means for me. I'm that person. And it was my family's way of doing things. I didn't realize I came with those things that made me me. But they pushed, they challenged. It was a tough journey. And in that, I realized that, you know, Having different cultures close to you help you understand your culture, to see the beauty, to see the ugly of your culture. And we don't like that because we are very precious about our cultures. And this place exposes those things that if I was in the Eastern Cape, I would have been the best leader my closer people have ever seen because it would be the closer way of doing it. And I came here, it was the opposite, and it was tough. But I learned that I had to be willing to work with people, and I had to choose to trust them that when Caroline is asking me a question 
or challenging me. It's not from a place of judging me or condemning me. It's from a place of loving me and wanting the best for me. But I had to choose to trust. It didn't come naturally. Instead of putting up defensive wall, I had to choose to trust that she cares for me. And as I learned to trust people around me, I had to choose to be more honest than I had ever before. With my fears, with my securities, with my past. And I had to admit that I needed help in order for me to grow in my walk with the Lord. I had to admit that I was broken and I needed healing. Even though I was from the Bible school, I had, you know, three years there, I discovered here that I was broken. And this was the place to find that healing by saying yes to people that chose to walk with me. And what I have learned is that my growth depended on my willingness to let someone in and to allow someone to walk with me and speak into my life. That is where I was going to grow to be the person I am today. That was painful, but worth it because I wouldn't be who I am today without having had that person or those people who chose me. I wouldn't have known this Jesus who loves, accepts, and uses ordinary people and broken people as like me, like those disciples, maybe like some of you sitting here. But someone had to intentionally invite me into their lives. That is what it means to disciple someone. Someone did it to me. And why am I saying this? Because being here can be a great opportunity for each one of us to be discipled. That was a great opportunity for me. It is still a great opportunity every day. I get challenged, I get encouraged, I get trusted, I get given opportunities. And it is also a great opportunity to disciple someone because that has been done to me. My responsibility is to be that someone to somebody else. In Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20, it says, he says to his disciples, that's Jesus. And again, this is from my New Living Translation, which my dear husband doesn't like it much. <laughs> but <laughs> it says, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, Go and make disciples of all nations. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of age. Be sure of this. 
I am with you always. Jesus walks with us as we make disciples. And as Stephen and I were talking about this verse, and of course, you know, I'm reading English, and that's not my first language, so sometimes he has to, you know, translate, which he does well. So we were just analyzing this verse, and me asking, what does it mean? It says, go and make disciples. They've gone, and he was explaining to me the different tenses that were used in the original translation, that it doesn't necessarily, they went, they made disciples and they finished. But it means as you go. So maybe you say, I've gone, I'm here, I've done my part. But every day as you go, your life, your talk, your lifestyle, you have to do it every day. And this is the command Jesus gave his disciples and is giving us as his disciples because we are his followers. And it is clear from this verse that discipleship is a mandate from our Lord Jesus Christ. And it is his plan to grow his church. There is no other plan. Discipleship is the way he walked with us that we may walk with other people and show them who he is and invite them into this kingdom and teach them how to live in the kingdom. Discipleship is two ways to be discipled and to disciple someone. Some of us like to teach people because some of us are teachers by profession, so it's our thing. But you start by being taught. We start by following before people follow us. If you don't know how to follow, you can never be a leader. We learn to be leaders from following others. We have to agree that to us as hands, discipleship, discipleship is not optional. It is a mandate. And we've made a commitment to our Father way back that we would raise sons and daughters. That is our plan for discipleship. We have to raise sons and daughters for the kingdom. And we've got many sayings here. We say beautiful feet never walk alone. And there is growth and transformation in walking with someone. Whether someone is teaching you or you are teaching someone, there is growth and our lives are transformed when we walk with somebody else. God brought us here and offered us opportunity to walk with people. And some of us miss that opportunity because we have excuses. <clears throat> And some of our excuses are, I don't know how to lead someone to Christ. If you have a friend that you love dearly, would you not know how to tell somebody else about what makes you love this friend this way? Would you not know how to explain why this friend is so special? So sometimes I wonder if we really know this Jesus, if we don't know how to tell somebody else about him. The other excuse is, I don't fully understand hands. I don't get hands. This is not about hands. 
this is a kingdom issue. So maybe if you don't get hands, maybe you don't get the kingdom. Because this is not a hands thing. This is the command from our big brother, Jesus. Go make disciples. And sometimes we say, I don't have time to build relationship. I only go out for community prayer. Oh my gosh. Who, whose, whose problem is that? Are people only there and there's no body here that can be working with you or you can be working with? And of course, others say, I'm too young to disciple someone. I didn't know that it depends on age. But remember, even during Jesus' time, there were people with excuses when he invited them. And these excuses do not start with us, and he's not surprised by them. He is so determined to pursue us and to give us another chance. Everywhere he takes us, be it here at the hub, be it at the service center, be it at the care points, or in the streets of the most broken communities where we serve, there are diamonds in the dust waiting to be discovered, waiting to be found the way Jesus found Philip, Peter, John, Thomas, and you and me. And he sends us to those places because he trusts that we will discover those diamonds. He brings people here and sometimes we don't get them, but he trusts that I would see that I can make something out of Jess, out of Celine, out of Cat. When we come here, we are all as wild as anything, but Jesus brings us here because he has trusted people with us to make beauty out of us the way other people have done, to help us to be more like Christ but we miss it, and we have these excuses. Will you find those diamonds and walk with them the way Jesus has walked with you through someone else? John Maxwell, in his book called Being a Person of Influence, he says, it's easy to have faith in people who have already proved themselves. This is why we like people who are doing well. People who are, you know, leading that team or that team. People who speak English fluently. But there are people who have helped us <laughs> to be like this. It's much tougher to believe in people before they have proved themselves. And maybe you want to choose the easy one. You want to wait until someone looks like they've got their act together. If people waited, we wouldn't have the leaders we have in different communities. I look at Levy, and he tells his story. When George found him in Patamatu in Zambia, he says, I couldn't even speak English. My friend had to translate what George was saying. But George found that diamond, and he committed himself to say, I'm going to make something out of this one. And now he's one of our leaders, but he had to be willing 
to have someone working with him. And George had to commit to say, I don't see it with my eyes. But through Jesus' eyes, I think there's something here. And I think we are often more on the side of, I don't see it, therefore it's not there. But can you imagine if Jesus did that to us? We wouldn't be here. And maybe if people who walked with us had that attitude, where would we be? People chose to invite us in their lives so that we would do that with other people. Jesus believed in his disciples before they became successful or even before they believed in themselves. He actually believed in you and in me before I even said yes to him. So what does discipleship look like for you, for me, and how do we raise sons and daughters for the kingdom? It will be through intentional relationships. This whole thing of we value relationship, it's not just one of our core values to paste on the wall. If we believe in it, we'll bring people closer to us and closer to Christ. But it has to be intentional. We will commit to somebody. I will say, walk with me. I need you in my life. Challenge me, ask me questions, push me, trust me. And I will do that to somebody else. It takes commitment. When we are committed to someone, it affects your priorities. It, it needs some reshuffling of what's your priority. You have to make space for that person in your life, in your time, in your house, maybe even in your finances, in your prayers. That person has to be there. And we have to give people opportunities. That speaks to me because I've been given many, many opportunities here. Some of them I missed. But the ones I've grabbed, they pushed me. They've grown me. And that has made me feel like I am trusted. I can take ownership of this vision. When we trust people and give them opportunities, they begin to take ownership of the kingdom. They're like, this thing is not Melody's thing. It's my thing. I get this Christ. He loves me. He lives in me. He's going to use me. But we hold people because we think, if I bring her closer, she's going to expose my issues. If I bring her closer, she's going to do it better than me. My gosh, it's better if she does it better than me because that means I've done my job well. And me, I like to self-raise. If she does it well, I would stand here and say, whose person is that? And would have to say, Moose's. Then I take credit. And if we look at it that way, we wouldn't be intimidated by people. We would allow them, trust them, and give them opportunities to experience this Christ in us, and that means we have to be real and honest with people. 
with our struggles. I cannot be walking with Sinclair or with Sarah without being honest about my struggles. This whole thing we say a lot about being vulnerable and it sounds nice and we, we have to leave it. Again, talking about Caroline. She says it as it is with your issues, but also with her issues. I remember one time George and Caroline had a family challenge that didn't have to be our issue. But I remember them calling all of us as hands volunteers. By then we were a smaller community and being called at their house, I think it was three o'clock in the afternoon, and sitting there and them standing there and explaining what has happened. And Caroline, of course, being so emotional, saying, we don't know what to do. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, did they have to tell us? It's none of our business, we're not gonna know. But they, they laid it there for us. And that transformed my life because I looked at them as leaders, I'm like, they don't know everything. They don't have it all under control. And they didn't have to let us in that situation of their family. I walked away thinking, I wanna be like them. I don't wanna pretend to be and leave hiding things because I want people to see the good. I want them to see the bad because we connect with people's weaknesses. So if we are gonna disciple people, we have to be honest with our struggles, where we come from, what God is doing. We stumble and fall every day. He doesn't give up on us. And people don't know that. They look at us and think, wow, she's doing well. It's only when you say, it's not okay. My marriage sucks or my family is caught up in, you know, and people connect with that. And that's what brings us closer to Christ. And yeah, God chooses people for us to disciple. And we often choose the easy ones, the ones who are gonna say yes to everything you say. Those are the ones we choose, but God brings the most difficult people to remind you of how difficult you were when he chose you and people walk with you. For some of us, the people in our teams are the people that we have to work closely with them, not about work, writing reports and you know doing procedures, but doing life. And sometimes they are not the, the easy people. We are not the easy people to them. They are not easy to us. We would love to swap them with other people. But God gave us these people, and maybe they would like to swap me with somebody else because she's more polite. But God chose me to be that person to you, and you are that person to me, and we can do this together because Jesus did it, and other people did it before us. So our focus here is not just, you know, working and bringing transformation there. It's, it has to start with us, our heads, our thinking, our hearts, how we live this out. And of course, our hands, how we act it out for people to see. And we can do that by spending 
time together by rubbing each other, knowing God's word and how our culture fits in under his authority. This is why we have these small group meetings. I know for other people show up because it's hands program. For some of us, that's a big deal because there we discover Christ, we see where he doesn't fit in my culture and things I have to throw off and things I have to embrace because they are a gift to me and my people. We learn how to communicate cross-culturally without thinking I'm better, they are the worst people. And for us as South Africans, we come from a place where we know how to put you know, people in different places and we come here and we discover the Bible says we are all the same and we have to unlearn all that baggage that we are raised with. To s- and we do that in these small group gatherings. And our characters are developed there. We, we learn what it means to be a person of integrity. We come from places where corruption rules everywhere. Everyone knows why you are doing it that way. But here in the kingdom we learn how can I be a person of integrity, doing the right thing when nobody's watching? We learn that here and what it means to work faithfully for our God. We see this as God's gift to us, but some of us think it starts at 8 and finishes at 4.30. Is that it? Or we know this is our father's business. We can serve him whether we are here, whether we are home, whether we are in the community. And those are the few areas that we want to leave discipleship out so that our lives are transformed and then we go out there, we transform people's lives. We are not just here to develop leaders, to manage hands, but we want to mentor and disciple young followers of Christ to become more mature on how they live and spend their lives in places where God sends them. Look at our service centers. There are people from those communities. Look at our leaders like Audrey, Kolani, Fusi. There are people from there. But do you understand how much transformation takes place in those communities? Because Audrey was discipled well. She gets it. The way she cares, the way she treats care workers, the way she interacts with caregivers, that's transformation and that's what the kingdom is all about. Sometimes we want to build this thing here and hold it tightly, but we are called to develop people for out there so that when you are not here, it will be still making waves because you have done it so well the way Jesus did it to you. It is by grace that we've been invited. And in obedience to Christ's mandate, let us not waste our lives, but let's share our lives with those around us. It doesn't matter what role you have here. It doesn't matter what team you are part of. Our commitment 
is to raise sons and daughters for the kingdom. We have said yes to Christ's mandate. Go make disciples. The question I asked myself as I was thinking through was, there are people who call me their daughter because they've shaped me. Who is my daughter? Who am I shaping? Who is my son? Who am I making space for? Who am I walking with? If I believe in discipleship, who am I working with? We are all called to work it out. And this is our opportunity. May God help us to do it well as it has been done to us. Thank you, Thank you for joining us. www.handsatwork.org